Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love for NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. It was a historic event at the Daytona International Speedway this weekend. For the first time ever, this super speedway was turned into a road course, which was really cool. Absolutely. It was a really cool race to watch for the first time. And I wasn't sure what to expect because a lot of, you know, every other race that we've been to in Daytona has been a restrictor plate type race. You know, the the pack racing and the big track, which we love. I love watching that action. So wasn't sure what to expect. And it was a really good race. It was a really fun race to watch in person. I don't know what it felt like on TV, but in person, it was a really nice race to watch. So why don't we go through the top five and then we can talk about our race picks and then talk about different storylines that happened throughout the race. The top five finishers of this weekend's race were Chase Elliott winning the race, Denny Hamlin getting second, Martin Truex Jr. getting third, Jimmy Johnson with the top five, he got fourth, and Chris Buescher showing up got a fifth place finish you know at one point i thought we might get a jimmy johnson upset uh because when they had that restart he was in the top two top three and uh he, i was you really know, pulling for jimmy when i saw him up there yeah he just he just didn't have as fast a car uh through the turns as chase and even denny um but it was good to see your man johan jimmy johnson riding up in the top five what'd you think this week seeing him up there it was fun I was honestly a little sad that he didn't win, and I want to go to the Coke Zero race because I know he'll win at the Coke Zero race. Well, he did say he's looking forward to next week's race, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. As for race picks, I picked Chase Elliott, and he did really good. He won the race, so that means I got three points. Stop rubbing it in our faces. I really don't care since I'm the leader. Oh, a little overconfident Ooh. over there. And who did you pick, Johan? Why don't you? Yeah, why don't we talk how about your, how your guy did? Kevin Harvick. I chose him because he's on a roll this season, and he's yeah, on a roll wins. of spinning out. So one of the funniest tweets I saw after the race was NASCARism when he said uh, Kevin Harvick became the human choose lane. And the way the shot was from inside his car, when he spun away, spun around, he was sitting then, in the middle. He of was the sitting track in the middle of the track, and you saw all the cars going just one going way or the right other. around him. So, uh, yeah, Pick it was lane, not expected. People. A little, uh, a little, little disappointing to see where he Something he ended up sad. after running so strong for the he last. He did make few his weeks. way back up. Something so, sad. Uh, he spun out two times. So where did he end up finishing? Seventeen. He did work a little bit of ground back up after spinning twice. So you got to hand it to him there. And uh, as for me, my race pick was Joey Logano, and he actually got me ninth place, which I'm really, really happy about. I got another point. Joey uh, started fifth. He was pretty strong, but uh, started falling back a little. Uh, he had he went into pit. He actually, I think when stage one was over, instead of going into pits, he did not. He was on a different strategy than the rest of the field. But... It did prove to get him a top 10 finish. Do you know what that strategy was? Do you remember? It's called the Blaney strategy. You stay out when the whole field goes in. You go in when the whole field stays out. I don't know if it's called the Blaney strategy. Basically, him and his crew chief had decided in a race like this, typically there are going to be three pit stops throughout the race. Mm -hmm. They were trying to go the entire race only stopping twice. 
And that's why there were times because we were watching it. We're like, why is Joey falling back? And then they would remind us, oh, that's right. Joey still hasn't has not gone in to get new tires. He didn't pit for like 20 laps. And when you have older tires at any track, you start to slip back. You don't have as much grip. You can't go as fast coming out of turns. And going into turns, you have to go even slower. So because of that, a lot of drivers were able to pass him. But he was on it. He was he was racing his own race. Unfortunately, though, it didn't work out. But he because of the strategy and because of the late caution, he ended up going in, getting fresh tires, was one of a small group that did that and was able to march from. I think he actually restarted 17th and was able to make it in the top 10. So interesting. So my driver was Ryan Blaney and he started 24th and he worked him like at the first stage. I think maybe it was just the first, I don't know, seven. By the time we got to seven laps, he had worked himself up to the top 10 and uh, he pretty much stayed up there the entire race. So I was definitely excited. And then at around lap 49, he had gone into the pit. And he got a penalty. He got a speeding for penalty. entering too fast. So that took him all the way. He had to serve that penalty, and that took him all the way back to twenty. I was like twenty fourth or twenty third place, and then he just couldn't. He couldn't get up. He um, he ended up actually finishing thirty first, and I don't know how he finished back that far because I was tracking him t- towards the end of the race after that penalty, and he was in the. And like I said, 22, 23, 24, and he finished 31st. So that was a bit disappointing. I do believe that had he not had that speeding penalty, he would have finished top 10. Maybe even one. Yeah, I saw that. And we saw your guy and he was up there and it was that penalty that really kind of ended I remember listening to the um, announcers and they said he got a speeding penalty. I was like, well, whoever chose Blaney... They're done. Yeah, when I saw when I was uh I was watching the race and then I saw on the screen Ryan Blaney got a penalty and I was like, yeah, mom's done. Yeah, there just weren't enough laps left after that penalty for him to work his way up because if the race had gone longer, I think he would have been able to work his way back up because he did have a strong car. Again, all I thought all the Penske cars um, were strong at one point. I think it was like within the top ten, it was. Um, Blaney, Joey, and Brad, like right behind each other. Yeah, and, and Brad, I mean, he he had an okay day for him for him for his standards. He finished in thirteenth, so again, wasn't the kind of finish they were looking for. I think of the Penske cars again. Joey Logano had done the best, finishing in in ninth place. I was he involved with Bubba Wallace because I saw a a post or a tweet from Bubba after the race, and I know that Bubba spun on the second to last lap or the last lap. And I'm wondering, and now that I think about it, we'll have to go back and look. I don't think so. I thought Bubba was a little farther behind Joey. Remember, when Joey restarted that that last you know restart, he was in 17th, and he moved up eight spots. Uh, so I have a feeling we're going to go back and look. And I think he was just he was just aggressive, and go. I mean, you have to be aggressive to be able to move up that many places in only a couple of uh, a few laps. It was two and laps. So I think he laps. actually might have been involved with the Bubba Wallace. We'll have to go back and check that out, um, that that spin. So for me, I actually did all right. You know, at one point I thought my guy was going to win. I had picked Martin Truex Jr. He actually ran really strong pretty much the entire race. Uh, he finished in third, and so and he actually led three times for 10 laps. So he, he actually had the third most laps led 
of all the drivers um, that 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 race, uh, finishing behind Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. Who led who the led most laps? laps? Chase Elliott, three times for thirty-four laps. That's sad. And it's it, well, it, what do you mean that's sad? That's actually interesting because I thought Denny Ham. I would have guessed Denny Hamlin if somebody said, "Guess who led the most laps?" I would have said Denny Hamlin because I saw him at the front uh, the most. Well, the interesting thing though is he 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 actually led four times, so he led the most amount of times. Like he went and got the lead four different times so that's probably why it felt that way and yes you're right i mean i did feel the same thing he was always up there he was either leading or chasing the leader down yeah i was gonna say and if somebody was ahead of him he would chase them down and take the lead and so i was pretty nervous towards the end of the race when that caution that last caution came out and uh denny hamlin was able to get closer to um chase because prior to that um that caution Chase had a huge lead. Yeah. You know, a huge lead, which is one thing I noticed about this is that um, when they went on long stretches that there were no cautions, the cars got separated a lot. Uh, You know, at one point, Denny Hamlin was on one part of the track and the rest of the field was like, you know, on the other side. So so when that last restart happened, I was very nervous. Um, I can't say that I'm like a diehard uh chase fan but i was rooting for him to win and so like my heart was beating for, was racing my hands were sweaty because it seemed like every time they went into a turn or the chicanes denny hamlin would get right at the bumper of chase elliott and so it was it was very um it was a good finish i mean it was a good race and an exciting finish yeah you know? it was pretty cool to see denny close the gap like Honestly, if there was like two or three more laps, I think he it would have been even more competitive because even on that last lap, I mean, he made it look a lot closer. So the announcers kind of said that might have been by design, Chase not wanting to overdrive his stuff, you know, and because that's the other thing with the road course. You mess up as two of the best drivers in the series found out this weekend, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch, you spin out and you drop, not just a few spots because the other thing is like you were saying, Karen, about the fact that they get spread out because of that. If the mess happens behind, they're not going to throw a caution because those caution laps are long because of all the turns. There were like 12 or 13 turns and 14, so 14 turns. So they're not going to throw a caution if they don't have to. Yeah. They have to wait just for everybody to pass by yeah. and then go ahead and turn your car. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, any little mistake um, especially in the chicanes, because we've seen that in like the road courses, you know, if you're coming into one of those little turns and you're you you hit the side and your car, you know, uh, bobbles, you can lose control of it just like that. So, yeah, probably he was, you know, being more cautious and um, more careful about how he was driving, because, you know, if you get aggressive towards the end because you're scared that, you know, you see the number 11 or whoever behind you, you can make any little any little mistake. And it'll be critical to your results. If you want to know anybody who doesn't like Chase Elliott, it's the guy I'm sitting next to, my brother, Gio. Now, why is that, Gio? Why aren't you a, a fan of Chase Elliott? Because I will say, and no, we're going to put together a, a, a highlight video of our, our trip down to Daytona, and we'll upload that probably within the week. And I did capture everybody celebrating the win of our family, with the exception of one individual who didn't even stand. He was just like, whatever. And he just kind of sat there. And that was one Giovanni wearing a number 22 hoodie that he just picked up at the race. So why is it that you may have some challenges with rooting for Chase Elliott? 
Ah, I just the Bristol incident from you're still holding on to that man. Well, first of all, the guy can't apologize, and unless it's like four weeks later, he can't get over it. He's just I'm done with them. And then I'm also upset that he from the way I saw that wreck and that incident. Wait, are we are we still talking Bristol? Bristol? Yes, it's the way I saw it from Bristol. From my perspective, it looked like Chase Elliott was like, well, if I can't win this race, you can't. And intentionally got loose just to take out Joey. I don't see it. I like Chase. I won't I won't lie. Well, I'm happy that Chase won and got me points. My other guy did not do well. Yeah, man. Kyle Busch, again, he was starting to warm up. We were feeling like the last few weeks he was starting to put it together. Again, though, this is a road course, so those things happen. But what happened to your guy? But you know before? what, though? That's the interesting thing. Uh, the dri- drivers, the drivers that spun out that made the most, like, you know, um, I guess, impact stories of spinning out at this um, road course were Kevin Harvick and Kyle, uh, Bush. Kyle Bush. And these guys are good at the road courses. Like, Kyle Bush has one up in Watkins Glen, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was uh, crazy to kind of see them spinning out. His downfall this year isn't a, just a Kyle Busch driving deal. It's equipment and that kind of thing. And that's what happened. I think your mom even told me something broke in his brakes. Yeah. So early on in the race in stage one, he's doing well, but then he comes down to pit because his brakes aren't working well. And so he falls down the um lineup and then he comes back and he's doing really good. I mean, there's the one part right before you get onto Super Speedway 1. Kyle just um zooms by and passes all the drivers. Then stage two, he keeps going, and then he spins out and falls back. Then due to green flag pit stops, he gets back up. And I feel like this is going to be his race. He's going to do it. Then he goes into pit, and I'm like, okay, maybe he's trying to fix stuff. And he, But then he's still there, and then I'm... And then he backs up and, and goes into goes the garage, into the and garage. I'm like... What? What what just happened? So what? he apparently experienced brake failure prior to going into the garage and he tried, I guess, to stay out and um they couldn't fix it, so they went back to the garage. So when we saw his car going back to the garage, we were very surprised. But I think I was even more surprised when I saw Kyle back on the track. Because I thought that once your car went back to the garage, you couldn't bring it back out. No, that you can fix it. And then you can go back out because I remember 2016, the Daytona 500, Chase Elliott ripped that um his front end, and they he went to the garage and fixed it, and he um finished the fi- uh, Daytona 500 40 laps down, even though he um ripped the car. What year was that? 2016. Well, they changed the rule because now it's you have five minutes on pit row and the garage to fix the car. If you okay. fail to fix it within the five minutes, then you're out. That you're out of the race. Okay. Well, we thought because of all of the COVID changes in the rules that that was one of them uh, to keep drivers from coming in and out. And we thought that because we were both surprised. We were talking to each other about it. Do you know why he had to do it? It's because he's not locked into the chase for the championship. So he needs every point he could possibly get. And honestly, I'm sure he did not want to go back out there knowing he had no shot of winning, but he needed to get points. And that's why they put him back out. They, I think they rebuilt his brakes or put a new brake system in and then threw him back out there. Something like that. But then around lap 60, uh, he slams into the backstretch wall. And apparently the the broadcaster said his rotor exploded. And so that's what caused him to 
yeah. smack into the wall. Poor Kyle Busch. So Kyle Busch with another another week of misery. Where is in he in the standings? I think he's like twelve or thirteen. Yeah, yeah he's like he's in the teens. He's still in the chase. He's still in there, but he hasn't, he hasn't won. won. And that's the thing we keep saying. If there's another, especially coming back in two weeks, it's Talladega. Uh, it's a Talladega. It's Daytona, right? It's restrictor plate type racing. Anybody could win, right? If if you're in the right place at the right time or in the wrong place at the wrong time, you could actually get knocked out. And so if an unexpected driver wins, gets locked in, that's one less spot for Kyle that he needs to compete with. So, um, yeah, I still I still believe he's going to pull a race out of his hat before the start of the championship, but he's got basically three races to do it. I know he's not going to make the playoffs, but then next season... He possibly can win the championship because Logano missed the playoffs in 2017. Next season, he came back and won the championship. So I think Kyle can pull that off. There was a really interesting story about this race. Um, Austin Dillon couldn't race because of COVID-19. And he had he was replaced by this Star Wars character, Kaz <laughs> Grala. Kaz Grala. Guys, you're too mean. He actually did really, really well. Finish and seven. I was surprised. At one point, he was leading laps. He was actually, let's see, he led three laps. He led one time for three laps. And that's impressive, being that his very first Cup Series start ever was at the first time that they ever raced a road course at Daytona in the Cup level. Well, yeah, I was actually joking. he did race in the Xfinity Series because he's an Xfinity Series driver. Yeah, but this, is his de- this was his debut in the Cup, Cup series. series race. And I thought he did really good. I mean, I was, I have never, I obviously have never heard of him. And I don't think that saying that his, he sounds like a Star Wars character is a mean thing. I actually, I think it's cool. It's prob- a compliment. Yeah. He probably would think, wow, for real, I have a name that's like, sounds like a Star Wars character. That's pretty awesome. But um, yeah, he finished seventh. So I thought that was pretty impressive for being his debut and filling in for, uh, Austin. for another driver, which um, I don't know. I think maybe he would have, he finished better than Austin would have. Ooh, Ooh, shots fired again. Austin would have finished Not last to mention, like he deserves. Kaz had to go to the back because he was a replacement driver, and he finished seventh. Oh, wow. that's I didn't realize that. Yeah, I was joking with Dad at one point uh, where I was like, when he was leading, I was like, imagine he chased, got lapped, and then there was no caution, and he just holds out the lead and won. Well, I, you know what? It was very impressive, and I like seeing these young guys get up there and do something uh, on their own merit and actually show their skills and he clearly is a uh, talent for the future he's not the only driver change there's another guy who started to the rear because of a driver change the number 77 of stanton barrett yeah i was just gonna bring up that storyline i was gonna talk about how stanton barrett was at this weekend's race and we thought that was super cool because as we know if you've been listening to our podcast you have heard the name stanton barrett before as tony has connected him into or has connected someone in pop culture to him. Yeah, Stan Barrett is my go-to when I want to connect someone in Hollywood to NASCAR. If all else fails, there's always going to be a connection with Stan Barrett because, as many of you know, he is not only a NASCAR driver, but he's also a stunt driver in Hollywood. And he's been in major films like... Like Days of Thunder, Talladega Nights. Uh, I want to see those movies. Gira- no, he actually was not in... Uh, Days of Thunder, but he was in Jurassic Park. Was he in Talladega Nights? That's actually a great question. I don't think he was in Talladega Nights, believe it or not. But I have other NASCAR drivers I can use to connect him. But the point is, we actually had a listener that was talking to us about it. We met up at the race and he told me, 
you know, now it's legitimate. I can at least use Stan Barrett for the rest of this season because he did race this year. He raced at the at this road course uh, because the last time he raced in the next or next tell. Wow, that was a flashback. The NASCAR uh, Cup Series, I believe, was several years ago over in Talladega. So uh, he he's kind of legitimized six degrees of NASCAR for at least the rest of the season. Well, I got to say, if the last race he was in, um, he had to be in Talladega Nights. So uh, what I, what is funny is that uh, NASCAR on Instagram put a video of him because at one point in the race, he pretty much went through the grass. He missed, I guess, the turn and went through the grass and was like plowing, there are a few plowing the grass. And so uh, NASCAR's um, post says, no stuntsmen were harmed in the making of this production. That's funny. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, that's my guy for six degrees. So hopefully uh, he'll race again next year and I can keep that going, make six degrees a little easier for me because it, it can get hard. So, yeah, this was a this was a fun race. This was uh, a very I fun race. We had a, a really good time. And I will say one of the exciting things that I was reading afterwards is that I think NASCAR executives were very happy with what they saw in terms of the product. I think fans, at least the initial reaction has been very positive. And NASCAR has come out already within, you know, 24 hours of the race saying that they're going to seriously look at adding this road course to the regular season going forward. Because, again, you know, the reason why we even have this is because of COVID, because of the the change in the schedule. What was the race this was supposed to be? Watkins Watkins Glen. Glen. They um, weren't already. They um, state that Watkins Glen is in. They did not allow NASCAR to race at the track. So they decided to come up with another um, road course idea. And they come up with the Daytona road course. And I had knew Chase Elliott had a good car and he was going to win because he won the last two um, Watkins Glen races. So he's a good road course driver. Yeah, I think he's won the last three road course uh, races. Well, I think this race is, was really good, and I think it's fantastic for them to add it to the regular course or the schedule, excuse me, um, but not in August. Let's push it to another time of the year when it's not so hot. <laughs> or do it later in the day. The only thing we're doing race. it later in the day. Cool, a the, night road course. That would be cool. The only problem with that, again, if we're doing it in the summer hours, there's the possibility of yeah, evening storms. Is Florida. But I don't know. It was a fun race. I don't know about you, but as I was watching the race, I actually was like, I wish that I could be down there and driving that myself or at least being in the car with someone. Um, but because it was so much fun. I it, This particular track is my favorite. And I know it's like that's the NASCAR cliche. Everybody loves Daytona, but I really do love Daytona. And then probably Bristol would be my second. But... There was just something about the road course, like it really made me want to be down there. It was kind of like a giant go tra- uh, go kart track, and I don't know. I was just really excited. This um, race encompasses basically two of the things that I have, you know, that I love so much. I love cars and I love sports, so NASCAR is like the culmination of both. And just seeing those cars out there turning and driving, it just made me want to go out there and race in one of those cars. And uh, to wrap things up, I'm actually going to tell you about who won the stages. So stage one was won by Chase Elliott. Stage two was won by Denny Hamlin. And then Chase Elliott won again in stage three. So one of the things that I just wanted to bring up as we get ready to wrap up this section is I thought it was super cool that when Chase was um, being interviewed, he gave a shout out to certain drivers that reached out to help him 
with this race course. And one of them was Boris said, and we love Boris said, we miss watching, seeing him on the track. Um, you know, back when the kids were little or were younger, he was dri- He was more of a prominent driver within the road courses. So we were so excited to hear him mention Boris said. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And actually made me think that maybe Boris was somewhere in Daytona. I wish, you know, again, it's hard. We can't go down and celebrate like normal. Uh, but it, it's kind of cool to know that Boris said was a big part of Chase Elliott uh, winning and doing so well Man, at this track. I think he or he calls. I think it was Greg Biffle or Casey Kane a scaredy cat. Oh, Boris said yes. I think it was Greg Biffle. So yeah. So now that we're done with the Daytona Road Course, we're on to next week. We're doing another double header with Dover International Speedway. First up, Saturday, August 22nd at 4 o'clock is the Dry Dean 311. And then you have on Sunday, I think, at 4 o'clock as well. Another Dry Dean 311. Yeah. And, of course, it's a one-mile track, so they're going 311 laps, 311 miles. You know, when they've done these doubles, they've tried to shorten them. They've I don't think they've done a double where the races were more than 400 miles which makes it a quick race. Um, I know there are a lot of drivers that are looking forward to redeeming themselves or possibly winning. I read, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson was talking about how he's excited to go to one of his favorite tracks to do a double there as well as Kevin Harvick. So it'll be, it'll be a really interesting race to watch because again, unlike other short track racetracks, this is a short track with high banks so they can just fly around. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. All right, so now we're going to do race picks for the Dover Double. We'll pick one set of drivers, and then that driver will get us points based on where they finish and both the Saturday and the Sunday race. Because Mr. Johan was leading and continues to lead, he will pick first. Now, I will say in, in, in talking to one of our listeners at the track, he mentioned a great idea. He thought to help mix things up. And I know you're going to be disappointed about this, Johan. And to give us chances. And to give us all <laughs> chances because you do have a lead and you're kind of running away with it. Kind of like what Chase was doing at the latter parts of the race yesterday. It's no fun when everybody's second and back is like watching you just drive away. Is that you can't pick the same driver back to back weeks. I know that's going to disappoint you because if you got a driver that's hot like a Kevin Harvick, or a Denny Hamlin, they can reel off two, three, four wins in a row and finish in the top five quite a bit. So this week, Johan, because you are leading. Actually, did we do the standings? I don't think we did the standings real quick. So let's do the standings. So Johan is our leader with 17 points. I'm in second with 15. I actually picked up two points. Sebastian moved into third leapfrogging his brother and his mom with three points because his driver won and he's got 11 and then Gio and mom are tied for fourth place. And again, I commend Gio because he started three weeks in a row with zero points and now he's tied for fourth. So he's kind of making his, his march to the front. So Slowly racking up points. He's starting to rack up points. Johan, you get to pick first, but you can't pick Kevin Harvick because you picked him last week. I already know who are you I'm picking, picking to win the Dover double. Denny Hamlin. Danny Hamlin, that's a solid, solid pick. I can't disagree. Well, I think if we did have this new rule of picking back-to-back, I probably would have went with Martin Truex Jr. because it is a home track for him. He's from that area of the country. But because I can't do that, I'm forced to pick. 
Hashtag Kevin Harvick stinks. I think Kevin no! Harvick is going to win. Again, <laughs> this is two weeks in a row my pick is stolen. Sebastian, who are you picking? I think I'm on a roll. And Johan, you forgot one driver who's really good at this track and is looking forward to it. Jimmy Johnson. Oh, that would that would be a big win. I think Johan would be excited to see you win. Probably more so if his guy ends he's, up winning. He's won several times at this track. So we'll see. I got to say something to Denny Hamlin if he's listening to the podcast. Hey, Denny, if Jimmy's up there, let Jimmy win, please. <laughs> but you do want him to finish top five so you can get your two points. Yes. Okay. Top five, no win. The win goes to Jimmy. All right. Well, Gio and Mom, you both are tied. Do you want to do rock, paper, scissors, or do you want to flip a coin? Who's going to pick? We have no coin. Well, well, who got points first. this weekend? Oh, ladies first. The gentleman. All right. Let's let mom go for it next. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with. Oh, I don't like to pick him, but I'm going to pick him. Martin Truex Jr. Are you kidding me? I should have gone first. That's hilarious. Oh, Gio. All right, Gio, who are you picking? Chase Elliott. <laughs> this is. Hold on, guys. This is a huge upset. Wow. Did the Joey Logano fan club over here just picked Chase Elliott to win. Yes, I did. Wow. Well, let me say, I commend you. You are a true NASCAR fan, and you will not let your personal feelings get in the way of your pick. So I commend hey, you. Hey, I for picked that. Martin Truex Jr. I want yes, we, we we've already established you're not the biggest Martin Truex Jr. Well fan. he didn't well, never letting you go first. Chase <laughs> Elliott um won in twenty eighteen. So all right. At least you picked a prior winner, so not bad. So we're at Dover next week. No fans. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was something. Unlike this race, unlike this week's race, no fans at Dover. Yeah, and that's a little disappointing. And actually, this was one of the races we yeah, talked, we about, talked going. about going. I was like, you know, I've talked about this before. I'm from the Philadelphia area. We can go up, see my grandmother, see my aunt and uncle uh, up in Philly, and, and then make a trip down to Dover for that double weekend. But, uh, Glad we didn't make that plan, those plans because fans are not uh, able to be in attendance, which is a little disappointing, but understandable in the current situation. So. I'm thinking since there's no fans, the haulers are going to stay here, but the people who work at the haulers are going to go home. But the haulers are going to stay at Daytona for the Coke Zero. And for our listeners, when he says haulers, it's the only haulers he cares about. It's the merchandise haulers. And they did tell us that. They said they were going to be back here in a couple of weeks, but they weren't going up to Dover. So they're just going to go back home to Charlotte, get all their new supplies, and then come back down with more merchandise for you to buy, Johan. One question. If we're not going to the race, can we just come down here so I can buy diecast? Technically, you can because the we'll haulers are outside we'll of the track. And now it's Tony's Six Degrees of NASCAR, where Tony tries to connect pop culture with NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. Johan, it's your week this week. Who am I connecting to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation? Will Smith. Will Smith. Why Will Smith? Because um, I wanted someone from Men in Black, so I decided to go with Will Smith because he's the most popular one I know, so I'm going with Will Smith today. Well, Will Smith, as many of us know him as the French Prince of Bel-Air, is actually from my hometown, Philadelphia. 
In the 90s, he became one of the biggest box office movie stars in the history of Hollywood. I think Sebastian will find this interesting. He has a record as being one of the only actors, or actually the only actor, to have eight consecutive movies cross $100 million domestically and 11 consecutive movies cross $150 million worldwide. So that's pretty... He's like a box office machine. Well... He's in a lot of movies. Well, in 2015, he was in the movie Focus, which also features Margot Robbie, which who was in the movie Suicide Squad. Yeah, and they were, and she played uh, Harley Quinn. And who was his character? Um, Deadshot. But that's not how I'm connecting the NASCAR. It's actually this movie Focus because there was another actor or a real life person that played himself. His name was Brian Herta. And he is the owner of Andretti Herta Autosport, which is the team that is fielding this year's pole winner for the 2020 Indianapolis 500 that's coming up this week. Marco Andretti drives for Brian Herta. He merged with Andretti Motorsport. Well, Brian Herta also drove an open wheel, but it was cart at the time before they merged with IndyCar. And in 1995, he drove for the NASCAR owner, Chip Ganassi. And of course, we know that Chip Ganassi fields the Kurt Busch number one, uh, no, not Toyota, Ford, and the 42 Matt Kenseth, mom's favorite driver this year. And so that is how you connect Will Smith to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. Well, you did get something wrong about the Ganassi. They're actually Sevies, not Fords. Stuart Haas is the Fords. I thought you told me Ford. Well, you said something about Stuart Haas. So is it, okay, so what is it that they drive? Is it Ford or Chevy? Chevy. 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 Okay, so there you go. Chip Ganassi Fields, Chevy Camaros, and Chip Ganassi was Wait, the Wait, he drives owner. the 41? He, has to, he owns no, the 41? No, 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 Chip Ganassi owns the, sorry, the, the 1 and the 42. Oh, uh, okay. Yes, yeah. And so Brian Herta drove for Chip Canassi back when in 1995, and that's how I connect them. Well, Brian Herta was in a movie with Will Smith, this 1990, uh, I'm sorry, this 2015 movie, Focus. Three degrees, good job. Thank you. You know, also what I found was really interesting, it's kind of fascinating. Will Smith, guess how old he is? 40. You're a very generous man. No, he's 51. And he is actually has the 10th biggest uh, platform on TikTok in terms of followers. He has over 34 million followers on TikTok. Really? And when you think of TikTok and the people that are the influencers of TikTok, they're all like preteens, teenagers, really young people. And then you have Will Smith. And a lot of his, if you've seen his TikTok channel, it's actually pretty cool. So yes, Will Smith. So that was a, that was an excellent pick, Johan. What were you, what else were you going to say? Well, is next Sunday, the August 26th, because if it is not only I'm going to watch the Dover race, I'm going to watch the Indy 500. So we're going to have about 800 miles of racing to watch. So uh, yeah, it is. It's this coming Sunday. So I, very appropriate. I'm going to be mad if Penske beats Alexander Rossi again, and I will not root for Penske in any series. Xfinity, Truck, Cup, and um, IndyCar. No. We, we don't hold grudges in this family. Not at all. Not at all. Well, what were you going to say? You called the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air the, the French, French Prince, Prince of, of Bel-Air. Bel-Air. Did I really? <laughs> yeah, yes. it was funny. 
It was. That's why I was laughing. Like we know him as the French Prince, and I was like French Prince. I had to, and then I was like, oh, he means Fresh Prince. So I said the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You said French. Okay, well, go back through the audio. It sounds like French. French. And maybe it was. I don't. I was gonna say it was my Philly accent, but whatever. Philly accent. Philly accent. My boy. For all our listeners, I meant the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Okay. All right. So as we look to wrap up this week's episode. We're going to go through our Racing Through Life segment, and Karen and I thought, what better than to talk about our experience that we just had as a family at the Daytona International Speedway this weekend, especially considering where we are with COVID and all of the precautions that the track and us as fans have to take when you're going to an experience like this. And so I don't remember if we got a final number on the number of fans that were in the stands. Uh, but it was in the te- tens of thousands, I would, I would, I would assume, uh, because that track normally can hold about 150,000, and so it was probably less than a quarter. So I would guess it was anywhere from 10 to 20,000 people spread out uh, from about the start finish line uh, to the end of those those grandstands heading towards tur- turn one. So in any event. Let's talk about it. So what did you guys think? I mean, what was the experience like? Describe it for our listeners that weren't able to be there. Well, we wanted to make mention that we thought that um, NASCAR and the Daytona International Speedway did a good job setting the um, procedures for um, for COVID, the social distancing, the wearing masks. So we thought that it, that was really good. I was actually pleased and I was pleasantly surprised with how well they did with the stands. Um, I was a little bit worried because I thought there would be, we would be sitting closer to people, but I was actually comfortable enough because I know that when we um, spoke to uh, someone, they said that uh, you'd be able to take your masks off when you were sitting in the stands. So that was a little bit concerning to me because I didn't want to be close enough to people that if they took their masks off, they were breathing on me or coughing or whatever. But I was very pleased with the fact that we were spread out pretty well. Even within our own family, we have five members and they were only selling seats in uh, batches of four. So we got two rows uh, right right in front and behind each other of three and two. But and even us, And even us, we weren't even like back to back. So we were off, Tony and I were off to on two seats and then the boys were in the row in front of us, but they were staggered over, you know, separating like two seat distances between us. Um, so as far as that went, I was very pleased with that. I was able to take my mask off and I didn't have to worry about the people around me who didn't have their masks on either, you know, being so close and being that it was so hot, it was really, it was a good yeah, thing. It was, it was a little bit of a scorcher. Yeah. I don't, uh, races in the daytime in August in Florida, people, not a good one. There's a reason why they race at night now when they do the, uh, Coke Zero 400. I was watching a race recap of the race, and I remember the announcer said that if it was raining, it could they could actually use rain tires and race in the rain. So the Cup Series, they would have ra- raced in rain tires? Mm-hmm. That would have actually been kind of cool. Not that I wanted to sit in the rain, but that would have actually been kind of cool to see that. I've never you know, uh, they should watched kinda, the race. They like should kind of like kind of have that. Like something set up where they have rain tires just in case, like if the rain's not too bad, it's light, where they can come down pit, put on these rain tires and even have uh, 
the windshield wipers that they can just snap on in pits and then they'll start working. And it well, would, that's actually a good point about the windshield wipers. I don't know if they have that, but they actually s- had the windshield wipers. They did. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Right. When Kyle Busch wrecked, he, you could see the windshield wiper up when he crashed. So there you go, Gio. They actually were, were planning for it. It would, again, as a fan in the stands, it would have stuck for us because we would have been getting wet. Uh, but it would have been actually interesting to see that, especially in Daytona, you know, a super speedway. Obviously, uh, they weren't going to be flying around the track at 100, uh, 190 miles an hour. I bet if they were using the, those rain tires, I would get my 100 bucks that Timmy Howard won. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you, I don't actually don't know if I may, this made it to last week's podcast, but we had a little friendly bet. Because we are a bit of a Timmy Hill fan. We saw him in the iRacing. You know, he made a, uh, you know, it was actually the first time that we really got to know who he was because he actually won an iRace. And Johan was feeling pretty confident that he was going to do well. And uh, we had a little bit of a wager. And I had bet him 100 bucks that if if uh, Timmy Hill won, that I would uh, pay him $100. And he had actually already spent that money in his mind and had already decided which haulers he wanted to hit and what cars he wanted to buy. Uh, but obviously that didn't happen. Sebastian, what did you think about the experience at the track? It was really great. I do think that there were some people who probably should have had the masks on just a little more. Like I but saw not in the stands necessarily. You're talking about like walking. No, like when they're yeah, like around. walking. There were just a bunch of people that had the masks on, like going to, to the track. There were like I could count 15 people who didn't have the mask on until they for forced to because they were entering the track. Yeah, and again, that was disappointing. We were pleased with the way that the track and NASCAR handled the procedures. Unfortunately, there were many people who were not following it. Um, social distancing when we were standing in lines, that went completely out the door. But actually wearing masks, that went out the door too. So th- that was something that I was just a little bit disappointed with because I literally saw people without masks. It's not that they even ha- didn't have them, on, like they had them in their hand or in their pocket. They just didn't have a mask on. Well, I, th- I think, you know, I, I agree with you that I think the track and NASCAR had a great plan. I think one of the challenges, and this isn't just, this isn't a specific thing for NASCAR. I think this is indicative of the situation. You got to have to rely on enforcement because it's very clear that if you leave it up to people, they're not going to wear masks. They're not going to physically distance because there are some that just don't care or don't want to. For whatever reason. And so you need enforcement so if you there don't were, have it. So there were attendants at the escalators. And there were a few times when I went down the escalators where there was like mobs of people trying to go down at a time. And I would wait. I would purposely wait. But I would see that the gentleman would turn the sign that says, please keep six distance, you know, between parties or, or whatever. Or wear your mask. I or saw, wear your yeah. mask. They would flip it. But unfortunately, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't I mean, taken the most. And I, I we didn't get a video or image of it. But like when we were walking at one point, I think it was in the 300 level. We were just walking between uh, it was during, I think, the rain delay. And it was a little bit obviously crowded down there. There wasn't as much crowd control. And so there were people a lot of them had masks. So I will give them credit for that. Um, but there were just a lot of crowds. And I saw the two guys walking with the signs like keep your distance. Uh, not really wanting to get in anyone's face, but just hopefully be enough of a reminder for people to separate and nobody was paying them any mind. So um, I will say, though, uh, you know, like we talked about the track, you know, had a plan. 
you know, even leaving the race, they had said, and they had announced it before, during, and then obviously after the race, they said, stay in your seats if you're in the grandstands and we're going to release you by section. So you don't have like a, you know, yeah, like mobs of people leaving yeah, at the same all time. At one time. And we kind of laughed because when they made that announcement, we look around and like nobody was around, like everybody left. We were like the only one. There was like seven people in our section left and everybody uh, got up and left before. Yeah. So um, we took advantage and made a TikTok video. But besides that, you know, there was no one else around. The merchandise haulers were pretty cool. Like outside the actual track, there wasn't a lot of stuff because of COVID-19, but they still had the... um merchandise haulers for us to buy stuff and we did buy stuff. it was a limited amount there was like a chevy merchandise i believe it was just jimmy and chase for hendrix uh joey uh or team penske had a hauler Stuart haas had a hauler and kyle bush had a hauler actually the really haulers were it. the pit shop hauler the chevrolet hauler the chase Elliott and jimmy johnson also some dale jr merch then you had the team penske Stuart Haas, Joe Gibbs, a.k.a. Kyle Bush, because they didn't bring in the Gibbs hauler. They brought all the diecast and merch for the Gibbs drivers in Kyle's hauler. And yeah. For the most part, I did feel safe, especially when we were in the stands. And when we did leave the stands, we, you know, we wore our masks and we kept our distance. I made sure, like I said, when we were heading to the escalators, if there was a giant group of people all clobbed up together going down the escalator, I waited until there was enough, you know, space for us to go down. And uh, like you just said, Tony, we waited until the gentleman with the green flag came by and told us we were ready to, we were able to go down and to, to leave the, um, the stands. Well, I got something to say. This was my first race I've ever been to that's included something with rain and lightning. There was no rain. It was a lightning storm. And I was disappointed. I thought they were going to call the race. And Chase was going to get the win um, from from lightning delay. But no, he ended up getting the win with the checkered flag. So I actually thought Chase was going to win with the delay. Well, um, for all four of you guys sitting at the table with me, you guys been to a Daytona 500 with rain, the 2012 Daytona 500. Yeah, that was was that the one that ran on a Monday? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not unlikely for there to be rain or, you know, weather conditions at, at the Daytona um speedway any time of the year, I think. I think for the most part there's been some kind of weather situation. So we did have a bit of a lightning break. There was a storm that was supposedly coming with some lightning and uh but it didn't last very long. I we plan to head back and like relax a little bit and then come back to the track. But by the time we had finished buying some merchandise, they were calling the drivers back. Yeah. So and the good thing about the good thing about that little break was that because of the storms, uh, the temperatures went down a little bit and we never got any rain. And I don't even think the lightning got anywhere near the track. But the temperatures went down because I just want to reiterate that it was very hot. Like I can take heat. But it was so hot that even like Giovanni, when we were watching the trucks, he got dehydrated. Yeah. And had- so we had to take him down, get him some water and get him food, too, to get him some I energy. I, was, I think I had like a slight amount of heat exhaustion. It wasn't very, very bad, but I did need to actually sit down a little and drink a bunch of water. Which was a, another cool feature of the you know redo to the Daytona track is that they have these areas now that are kind of covered and have these big fans uh, to cool down and to, to relax. And if you need water or, or 
you know, concessions. They sell them there, their bathrooms and everything, which is a huge change from what that track used to be. So again, if you've not been to Daytona in the last five years, I think it's about five years is when they had finished. 2016 is when they got the, um, um, modeling and they got rid of the backstretch stands, put in some billboards. So about four fires. So you, if you haven't been to Daytona in five years, you need to come because it is a completely different experience as a fan. And I think it was fortunate for us, for Geo, that we were able to go down in that shaded area and cool down. Yeah, and, we and, and there was a breeze, too, because even yeah. though it was hot, there was still a breeze. And so you can feel the breeze being shaded by the sun down there. You can feel the breeze and it, you could cool down. And so, yeah, so we were able to do that. And then after, like I said, after the lightning, um, the temperatures went down and then it got breezy and it got much more comfortable for the completion of the race. To me, I really liked where we sat because we were right where turn one was into the into the road course part and then right where they exited and it's really cool to see how they managed to modify the track in fact i'd love to come back to daytona for a regular super speedway and sit right where we were so that way we could then see what they actually did change to create the road course yeah it was it was actually a pretty good spot Uh, and at one point we uh kind of walked around the track and we're trying to pick up sounds for uh, for the podcast. And so we got to see different vantage points. And I will tell you, that was actually the re- really the best spot to watch it. And so in, in future years, when you think there'll be more fans there, the, definitely where we sat is probably going to be the most popular, I think. Yeah. And actually, um, one of the interesting things is that there were no seat seating. There was no seating past the start finish line. So from the start finish line back to where turn four on the speedway would you mean be going back, going, going back. Exactly. Yeah. There was no one, there was no one sitting there. It was all from the start finish line all the way up to what Forward. the turn one of the speedway would be, which is basically so, the end of, nearly end of pit road. Right. Exactly. So we got to see, yeah. So where we were sitting, we were up high. We, so we were able to see the whole track. And I think one of the cool things about the road course at first, I was a little bit kind of like, eh, wah, wah. but then I got into it because I'm, you're used to in like these, um, you're used to at these tracks, the cars are all in a pack and they're all going together. But then with the road course, they started separating themselves more. So there was times where, you know, the leader was at turn that the, the backstretch, you know, and there were still guys in the uh, beginning of the road course and like turns one t- through four. And so, um, so it was cool to be able to have that that vantage point like to see the entire track but yet like I like Sebastian was saying we were in a we were in a place where we could see the first few turns really well like smack dab and the cars coming out of pit row and uh yeah before we wrap things up for today's episode we'd actually like to let you know that on our YouTube channel soon we will be posting a vlog that we had actually been working on with pictures and videos of the whole thing. So we're really excited to see how that turns out. But uh, yeah. Well, on that note, Giovanni, why don't you take us out? Well, guys, that's going to wrap up things for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening on. And please leave a like, subscribe, and download our podcast episode so you can listen on whenever, wherever. Let's go racing family out. <laughs>